Ephesians, and we will be in chapter 6 this morning, looking at verses 1 through 4 as our text. The reason we uh, decided today and, and made today the day that we were celebrating uh, the uh, parent-child dedication service is because this is where we find ourselves as we've been walking through the book of Ephesians, and also because most of the parents said that they were going to be here on this day. And so we decided that today would be the great day uh, as we look at this text, which deals specifically with the home. It deals specifically with parenting and children, parent and child relationships. So this morning, what I want us to look at in this text is parenting according to God's design. Parenting according to God's design. But before we go any further and read the text, I want to invite you to pray with me. Let us pray together. Father, we have worshipped you this morning through our song, through our own prayer, uh, through confessing of our sin, through committing and covenanting together as a church body to be one and to be unified in the building up of, of the body. And that is through supporting families and children. We pray, Father, that as we continue to go through this service, that by your Holy Spirit, you would speak to us in your word. I pray, Father, for children, for parents alike, for non-parents in our congregation, for our entire body. I, I pray, God, that you would equip us with the truth of your word so that we might faithfully live it out and we might be pleasing in your sight so that we might advance your kingdom and your mission in the world as one body working and walking together for your glory. And now, Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer, for it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. It's true that parents can pick up any number of publications and that there is a wealth of information at our fingertip when it com- at our fingertips when it comes to parenting. From parenting magazines to blogs, you can subscribe to RSS feeds and get fed information and tips about parenting and, and the latest fads and the latest trends. There are even a whole ton of parenting books that you can buy. In fact, we give away several parenting books and resources at our Mother's Day Out program to the families that are part of that every semester. We give a number of books out and different resources out. But I think one of the problems that we have today in parenting and as parents is not a lack of information. Instead, it's really, it's a lack of biblical conviction and intentionality in living out God's design for the family. And this is what Paul is speaking to in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. And so this morning, I want us to see as parents, we shape our children's understanding of Christ through our words and our actions in the home. It's significant for us to see this. Maybe cognitively we know this, but really to think deeply about this truth. As parents, we really are the ones who are shaping our children's view and their understanding, their knowledge of Christ through our words in the home and through our actions in the home. So what we have in this text, really beginning in chapter 5, verse 22 of Ephesians, all the way through chapter 6, verse 9, we have Paul speaking about the household codes of, codes of the day. 
And as he's addressing these household codes of the day, he's bringing a biblical worldview or a biblical perspective into the household codes of the day. And so Paul addresses the responsibility of parenting in this passage by exhorting families to live out the gospel as they sit around the table in the home. His exhortation begins generally, really in chapter 4, verse 1. And in chapter 4, verse 1, he urges the church, generally, right, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which they have been called. Then he goes on in chapter 5, verse 22, to speak about marriage. In verse 22 through 33, Paul is speaking about how the gospel transforms this relationship of marriage and that there's, there's some specific things that God has ordered and designed for the marriage relationship. And then now we look at chapter 6, verses 1 through 4 this morning, and we see that he's speaking to the family more specifically. And then he's also gone to nuance and speak about the slave and master relationship, or as we would understand it today, the employee and employer relationship in verses 5 through 9 of chapter 6. And Paul's point in each of these household settings is to show how new life in Christ dynamically transforms our relationships, especially those relationships in the home. And so Scripture has something to say for how we live out the gospel in our homes. And all of this, all of it, is dependent upon the Holy Spirit in the believer's life. I want you to see that just quickly before we move on in verse 18 of chapter 5. Paul exhorts the church, leave their old ways behind, do not get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And then in verses 19 through 21, he gives the way in which that's to happen, right? Addressing one another this way, making melody in your heart, to, making melody to the Lord in your heart, giving thanks always, submitting to one another a reverence for Christ. So what we see here is Paul saying this dynamic relationship, this transforming relationship of husband and wife, of parent and child, of slave and master, this in the context of the church, in the context of the home, is informed by the gospel and is empowered by the Holy Spirit's ministry, presence, abiding in the life of the child of God. So I understand the children who were held this morning before the congregation who stood up here, I understand they won't get this message, right? But this message is for much more than just those children. This message is for the church. It's as much for the church as it is for parents and for the children. Children of all ages. The parents who stood before us this morning range from first-time parents to fourth-time parents. You saw them up here with their children. And likewise, our congregation ranges from non-parent to single-parent to even veteran parents, to grandparents. But here's the challenge for us this morning. As each of us hears the word of God from Scripture, as each of us hears Scripture and think upon Scripture, it's our responsibility as members of one body, even like we covenanted together this morning, to aid these parents in living out their God-entrusted responsibility. This may mean that you will have a role as a Sunday school teacher of one of these children in the coming years, and you may have a shaping influence in their life. 
it may mean that you provide a listening ear for one of these children as they grow up into youth and struggle with issues that they maybe feel like they can't go to their parents, but even their parents need to know that they've got some godly people, godly men, godly women in their corner. And it may mean that you are going to give godly and wise counsel to a parent who is struggling in a particular season of life and you're going to use that wise counsel that God has given you in the midst of your raising up children. Right, you see, so there's application all around here. And so when we look at this text from the perspective of the body of Christ, we see that God's word has something to say. It informs our interaction and our relationship to one another. And so in Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, Paul directs his first comments toward the children. Follow along as I read verses 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. I want us to begin by seeing this point this morning. First, the home is the first place where children learn to serve Christ. We see this in verses 1 through 3 particularly. But children, I want you to give me your attention for, for a minute, okay? Hear, hear what I'm saying. I'm, I'm asking you and I'm speaking to you. So children, if you can understand me through... Uh, through all of those who are old enough but still living in their parents' house. Okay, I'm speaking from, from young children, early childhood, through youth. Personally, I remember as a child asking questions like, Mom and Dad, why can't I go over to my friend's house? You ever done that? When they say you can't go there, or Mom and Dad, why can't I sleep at so-and-so's house? And them saying no, right? And I remember these things, and I remember being very disappointed when I wouldn't get my way, right? When they wouldn't let us do the things that we want. Do you ever get disappointed when your parents won't let you do the things that you want to do? Maybe? This is the audience participation part. I'm just getting blank stares. Yeah, that's right. You know, parents don't always give you a reason when they don't let you do something that you really want to do. Isn't that true? Is that true? Yeah, that's right. That's true. Got an amen back there. But you know, one of the things that I learned in the midst of growing up, so as I got older, before I became an old adult, right? But when I was younger, I began to learn and understand that while I didn't always understand the reasons that my parents wouldn't let me do certain things, it didn't mean that they loved me any less. In fact, they still loved me. In fact, they were loving me so much that they were protecting me from things that I really didn't understand. But they knew. You see, this is God's design for parents. A lot of times, mom and dad know things that we don't know. And God has given them to us as a gift in order to protect us, in order to guard us. And so, children, I want you to hear me. The Bible teaches us that the way we first learn to serve Christ is through obeying our parents. That's exactly what he's saying here. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And so we learn through obedience to our parents. We learn to serve Christ through obedience to our parents. So to obey, it means to listen. 
right? Right? It means not only just to hear, right, but it means to follow their instruction and do what they tell us to do. So God has given you your parents as a gift, as as a gift to you. And and they have a responsibility to guard you, a responsibility that's actually given to given to them from God and their responsibility. You know what it is? It's to raise you up. It's to teach you how to be a responsible person. It's to protect you and it's to guard you. And so your home is really like a training ground for learning how to serve Jesus. And your relationship with your parents, it's like a training ground for learning how to serve Jesus. I've lost them all already. I see. They're gone. All right, so how many... So children, I want you to show your hands, okay? Participate again. How many of you use floaties when you first, the first time you went in a swimming pool? Raise your hand. It's okay. It doesn't mean you still use floaties. All right? Why? Why did you use floaties the first time you went in the pool? So you wouldn't drown, so you wouldn't hurt yourself. Did your parents tell you to? Yeah, they said, put these on or you're not going in the pool, right? That's what your parents, they do that to protect you, right? You see how this protection thing works? They're actually looking out for you. They want you to be safe. It's the same with our parents. So the authority... In your life, God has given your parents authority in your life. And, listen, it's not to make your life miserable or boring or bad. It's actually to protect you. It's actually to help you in life. It's to keep you safe. And look at what, listen to what verse 3 says. Here's another reason. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Listen, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. This is a proverb. You know what that means? It means as you listen to your parents, they're going to protect you, and this is God's wisdom, that it's going to cause you to live long in the land. The Bible actually gives two reasons for obeying your parents. The first one is it says it's God's will for you that you would obey your parents. He says in the Lord. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Do you know that obeying your parents is one way to obey Jesus. Did you know that, kids? When you obey your parents and do what they're asking you to do, this is is obeying Jesus. That's what the Bible is telling us. By obeying your parents, you're learning to obey Jesus, and you're learning to actually live out His will in your life. So our parents are to teach us God's ways. And as we obey our parents, we're actually following Jesus. All right? As we obey our parents, we're actually following Jesus. But secondly, it's because it's pleasing to God. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. He says, for this is right. You know what? It's good to do the right thing, isn't it? Isn't it? Is it bad to do the right thing? No, it's good to do the right thing. God created us, though, with a will to choose to do right or to do wrong. And when we do right... We enjoy good, but when we do wrong, we experience consequences, don't we? This is how God has designed our lives and our families. He's given us parents to guard us and to guide us as we grow up. So you may not understand and you may not like that your parents won't let you go somewhere or do something, 
but they're actually protecting you. They lead you from their own experience, and they want to keep you from harm. So when you obey your parents, when you obey them, you're living in the way God intends for you to live. You may be saying, how can I serve God as a child? Have you ever thought that? How can you serve God? You ever question that? Well, here's the first way that you can serve God as a child or as a teenager. The Bible is saying the greatest way that you can serve Jesus is first by obeying your parents. That's the first way. That's the primary way that you begin learning how to serve Jesus. So whatever age we're at in the home, teenagers alike, all right, we're, we're called. God's will for us is to obey our parents in the Lord. He says this is right. When I preached from this text on Father's Day, I shared about a scriptural lesson that Tara and I have learned in our parenting journey. We were struggling with this question, how do I discern gospel fruit in the life of my children? I think the answer to that question is simply this. When your child gets to a place where he or she willfully submits to your authority, even against their own desires, you know that the gospel is bearing the fruit of transformation in their lives. When you can see their will bending under the pressure and, and of not wanting to submit, but they're bending in, in submission to your instruction, that shows willing obedience of our children. And that's what we look for in our children who profess Christ. You see, the way that children learn to serve God is through obedience to parents. Secondly, it's through honoring parents. We see this in verses 2 and 3. Paul quotes from the Ten Commandments in verse 2. Honor your father and mother. Then he even says this is the first commandment with a promise. And the promise is that it's going to go well with you and that you may live long in the land. But we should note that to honor our parents looks different through various seasons of life. And so here, Paul is speaking specifically to those who are still under their parents' roof and their parents' authority. And so it means hearing and listening to their instruction above your own. And so children who are still under the authority and the umbrella of parents' roof understand this is God's will that you still listen and submit to the authority of your parents. This shows your willingness to grow in Christ. It shows your obedience to Christ. This is primary in your life. So the command to honor your father and mother has the promise attached to it. It's the promise of life, right? God's design is that children are live under the direction of their parents who parent for the good of the children. Children, when you live according to God's ways and you live according to his commandments, you'll discover the promises of God's blessing in life are true over and over again. So when you obey your parents, it will keep you from harm's way. But secondly, when you obey your parents, you'll also be kept from bad influences and from bad friendships that would seek to ruin you and to even shorten your life. That's what he's talking about in verse 3. That it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. shared this before, but unfortunately... I have several friends that I ran around with in high school, and today they've passed away. They're no longer here, so I'm, 
I'm 36, and they had a short life. And one of the things that attribute, that's attributable to that, to short life, is the wisdom of God's word here. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Parents seek to protect, to guard, to provide instruction for their children. And so hear, hear out your parents the next time they, they warn you and say don't do something. The next time they exhort you to stop or next time they say don't do that. Hear them out. Listen to them. Know that your parents are seeking for your good and for your growth and godliness. And this is obedience to the Lord in the midst of your actions of obedience to your parents. So the command to honor our parents is much broader than obedience. Simply obe- The command to, to honor our parents is much broader, though, than simply obedience. We must learn how to honor our parents at every stage of life, from early childhood to teenage years to adulthood, and even as we grow older and our children begin leaving the house. So children, to honor your parents, under, when you're under their roof, the primary way is honoring, honoring them through obedience. But as we enter into adulthood and, and get families of our own, we learn to honor our parents through considering their wisdom as we're making life decisions. And sometimes it's difficult and it gets messy on how we're to honor our parents, especially if our parents are walking in sin. And so we walk this delicate line and balance of, of trying, to, trying to honor them in a way that doesn't, uh, that doesn't disrespect them, but at the same time call into question the, the sin that, that maybe they're entrenched in. And so I'm not saying that I know the answer to that. I'm just saying that through the Holy Spirit there can be discernment in your life for how to do that. Even in the later years, we have decisions about taking care of parents in their declining years. These decisions have to be made in such a way that we seek to honor our parents. So, so we see that we never lose sight of this command, right? All throughout life, we're living out this command. How do we honor our parents? And so this commandment's important because it's the gateway to learning all the other commandments. It's the parent's responsibility to instruct and to model a life of godliness before our children. Parents, hear me out. Our obedience to Christ is the model through which our children learn obedience to Christ. So this means that they learn obedience and submission to us even as they watch our treatment of each other. Sometimes our children surprise us with what they say, don't they? You may remember I've shared this before, but there was one particular time when Tara and I were goofing off and uh, she made this snippy comment to me and so I... I said to her and Jess, girl. And then later on, when Tara went to discipline one of the boys, after she said something to him, he responds to her, girl. (laughs) Mom and dad, hear me out. You're a model for your children in the home. The way you treat one another says a lot to your children. It says a lot to your son or daughter. It teaches them actually how they're going to treat their spouse and how they might expect to be treated by their spouse. And the way that you submit to Christ is a model for your children as they're growing up that they're going to see. So this is why we say the home is the first place where children learn to serve Christ and they do that through learning obedience to their parents. 
Secondly, this morning, I want you to see. Parents create the environment for spiritual formation in the home. You see this in verse four. Paul shows us how the gospel transforms our parenting with two commands. The first one in verse four, he says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. In other words, he's saying guard against provocation. Parents, fathers, mothers, guard against provoking your children. We're cautioned in this way because anger is a dangerous emotion. We know that. We know that in our own lives. Anger can be so dangerous. It's like a balloon that fills up and fills up and fills up if it's not dealt with responsibly until it bursts. So what he's saying is our children shouldn't be instigated in such irresponsible ways to deal with anger. So we should not provoke our children to anger. In fact, this isn't how our Heavenly Father cares for us. It's the parents' responsibility to teach our children God's ways. And so we must have a gracious spirit, not a domineering spirit. We won't ever get to the heart of the gospel if we're always breathing out threats toward our children. Right? We say to them, if you don't pick up your room, I'm going to beat you. We don't, I don't say that. It's a for instance, right? Now then, let me also tell you about God's love, right? It, it just doesn't work. I've, breathe out this threat and then come back followed with, now let me also tell you about God's love for you in Christ. I don't know, maybe that could work. Tell them about how Christ took the beating for us. I don't know. The, the point is, right, that it doesn't work to breathe out threats toward our children and then lead them to the place of the gospel. It's not spiritually forming for them. It's detrimental, As parents, we have been given authority from God and a parent's authority in the home should come from grace and love because it reflects God's authority. And so if a child gets angry because of discipline, that doesn't mean that we've provoked him or her. But it does call us to look at our own lives, to have self-evaluation. Does my response provoke my children to anger? Are there sins present in my life? Are there actions present in my life that might provoke my child to anger? Some children grow up fearing their mother or father because one of their parents deals with anger issues, and it's oftentimes the father. I think that's one reason that Paul singles out fathers here in verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. So the question is, are we parenting with grace and love and our authority over our children, mom and dad? I think this reminds us of God's work in Christ Jesus, the son. God's grace and mercy and love was displayed for us. Look at what he says in chapter five, verse one. He calls us to be imitators of God. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. You see, the point is, even when we were undeserving And without desire of being reconciled to God, he sent Christ to redeem us. This is the gracious love and the enjoyment and the provision and the protection and the leadership of God, our heavenly father, coming to us as his children. And so parenting requires us to see the uniqueness of each child that God has given us. We should seek to understand how the truths of the gospel relate into their lives. 
we should make the truths of the gospel relate into their lives. We should take the gospel and apply it to each one so that it lands like a missile to the heart. So Paul warns us of the danger of law without grace. Parents must show grace in our parenting. And by doing so, we draw our sons and daughters actually to the fatherhood of God. Like sunlight, like a, like a blooming flower is drawn to the sunlight. And if our children grow up with domineering parents, though, chances are their view of God will be similar, that he's domineering. But if our children grow up in the gracious atmosphere of parents who entreat them, who love them, who want what's best for them and disciple them in this way, this will be their view of God. The positive side of parents fostering an environment of spiritual formation is that secondly, here's what parents will do. They'll scatter the seed of the gospel. We're guard against provocation. And then secondly, we'll scatter the seeds of the gospel. He says there in the last part of verse four, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The word bring them up, it's the word nourish. It's actually been used in chapter five, verse twenty nine. It means to bring up to maturity and parents should display a love for their children, leading and enjoying and protecting and providing for them. This is where the intentional relationship between a parent and a child flourishes like like a garden. You see, the heart of a child is like the soil of the earth that needs to be cultivated before it can produce fruit. Our homes and our parenting should be cultivating the soil of our children's lives. We do this by consistently scattering the seeds of the gospel. And what Paul is saying, both in discipline and instruction, we're always taking our children back to the gospel because it's the foundation of our lives. So he says, bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. And we're to consistently water the seeds of the gospel. We do this through the example of our lives, both in word and in deed. So discipline, to discipline them in the Lord, to bring them up in the discipline of the Lord, it means child training. And it's through word and through example that we we teach our children and we instruct them in the Lord. Instructing them means to, to place in their mind. It means to help them to see and understand the truth of Scripture, how it applies to their lives. You see, the way that we transform our children's behavior is not to put the law in place, but to work early on in their childhood to instruct their heart. I love what the Proverbs say in Proverbs twenty-three, twenty-six: The father says to the son, my son, the mother would say to the daughter, the parents would say to their children, my son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. You see, a child with a soft heart will heed instruction and, and will grow in wisdom. But a child with a, with a hard heart will spurn correction and will walk in the ways of the wicked. And so we consistently scatter the seeds of the gospel. We consistently water the seeds of the gospel. And we consistently pray for the gospel to have germination in the lives of our children, that there would be gospel fruit. We want for and we long for the gospel to take root in our children's lives. 
So while I've been addressing parents generally, I think it's noteworthy to see that Paul points to the fathers here. He kind of calls the fathers out. I think that's because fathers must take the lead in this cultivating work. Fathers must lead their homes in in spiritual growth and formation. This is God's call in the life of the home, in the life of the father. This is God's order and design. You see, when we shower our children with God's word, here's what we're doing. We're equipping them to deal with sin and temptation from a biblical perspective. Parents are our instruments in the hands of God, and we've been entrusted with the responsibility to make our homes a place of spiritual formation so that our children might grow into Christ followers. So we, we do this by responding to the fatherhood of God. We do this by modeling parenthood in a way that draws attention and, and, and points our children's focus to God and his goodness. This is God's design for parenting. So let me ask you, children. Children, are you learning to serve Christ in your home by being obedient to your parents? Parents, how are you training and teaching your children? Are you teaching them God's word? Are you cultivating their hearts, sowing seeds of the gospel, praying for the seeds of the gospel to take root in their lives? Are you looking for Fruit for gospel fruit in their lives. Crosspoint members, are you actively engaged in encouraging young families and discipling children, discipling our youth? Is this how God is working in you and through you? I pray that we are. And I pray that as the Lord uses this word this morning, that he would draw our hearts to him, that he would lead us and even convict us of areas where we need to repent and grow in our parenting, grow in our discipleship as members of the body, even for our children, as our children think about what it means to obey their parents and how that means obeying Jesus. Let me pray for us. And then you respond as the Lord leads. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you... Give us your design for parenting. And I pray, Father, that you would teach us by your Holy Spirit and that you would instruct us as parents, make us sensitive to your Spirit's leading. Teach us as parents how to cultivate the soil of our children's hearts. Lord, I pray for each of the children represented in here this morning. I pray, Father, that you would draw each of these children to you. Uh, Lord, use our parenting by your Holy Spirit work in their lives. Use your word, Father, to speak into their lives and draw these children unto you for your glory and for the good of your people. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.